0: Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and Friends. This week's friend is Adrian Gross. We recorded this last month at the Durango Bluegrass Meltdown in Colorado. Speaking of Colorado, Tall Poppy String Band is returning at the end of this month. We're playing Denver, Fort Collins, Castle Rock, and Salina, and maybe a few more. In fact, we have a couple little gaps in our tour, so if you know someone who hosts a concert series at their home or a venue near any of those locations, let me know. We'd love to stop by. Visit tallpoppystringband.com to find out more about our upcoming shows and contact us if you have any recommendations. Thanks. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with Adrian Gross, but first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Welcome to Get Up in the Cool.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for doing this last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I met you for the first time at Wintergrass
1: this year. On stage. On stage. How was that? Yeah. Coming up to play some tunes.
0: Yeah. Uh, when um, I get my state mandated uh, the double clock
1: every time. Like mm.
0: every time we're in the same place. It's
1: important to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's mandated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So just before we were starting you normally play uh, bluegrass, but as we were getting warmed up, you said, I learn all my tunes from these Canadian guys. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if you know them. And then you drop some really cool yeah. names. Yeah. Who do you learn your fiddle tunes from? Well, I have mean, probably learned more
1: most of them from Frank. Frank Evans oh, being of the yeah. band you played my Also dad. a droppable name. You know, droppable. Yeah, name-dropping yeah, Frank here. i right. um, probably learned more old-time tunes from him than anyone else. And then um, in Toronto, where I live... Um, Buds with uh, a fiddle player named John Shillman and a great Klaw player named Chris Cool. The best. Super so good. Yeah, they're great yeah. players and they have a band called Lonesome Make String Band, which is just so good. Yeah. And uh, so I pick with them quite a bit and I've learned a lot of, yeah, of old time tunes from them.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, I did a record with those guys over the pandemic.
0: That's right. Yeah. Uh, what is Adeline? it? Adeline. Adeline. Yeah. That, that
1: record's so great. It's cool. It was them two and Mark Kilianski, who plays in Golden yeah. Shoals. Okay. And uh, this uh, bass player, Sam White, played in a group called and Lotus for years. And okay. um, yeah, it was uh, kind of Chris Cool and Showman's brainchild. And uh, it was um, all old-time tunes, pretty much all instrumentals. Wasn't
0: there like a like a concept?
1: There was. It was the for, Windows concept. Yeah,
0: explain this.
1: Yeah, this mm-hmm. is this idea that comes from John Hartford and from when he was doing his. Amazing John Hartford string band records, which includes you know Wild Hog and the Red Brush. Um, the Ed Haley tribute, I think it's something longbow. Do you know that one? What's it called? Sound of the old longbow or something. And then there's another Hartford record called Good Old Boys, I believe it's called, which also has some vocal tunes, but all the instrumentals kind of follow the same concept, which is called Windows. And Hartford actually he describes it in detail in a few articles. And the idea is that. Um, it, I, it's interesting I come from like a jazz background and a bluegrass background right. yeah. and that's all about like the person playing the melody improvises and right. the rhythm section kind of holds it down and this completely flips that and so the idea is the fiddle player just bangs out fiddle tunes right, and drives it super strong and leads the ship and then the rhythm section not only it has, well, I guess you kind of have the freedom to do whatever you want, but with this Windows thing, you kind of almost have like an obligation to do so. So the idea yeah, is yeah. like, and we didn't follow this to a T, we used what we wanted of it, we didn't yeah. keep it like religiously, yeah. but I think the idea is essentially every eight bars or that type of section, gotcha. you consciously change what you're doing. Yeah. And what you're doing can be everything from at its most basic, just laying out, which is really powerful yeah. and really interesting. You could jump on the melody, you could play the harmony, You could play just one note, like pedal a note. You could do it high, you could do it low. You could play harmonics, you could just tap on your instrument. You could just play straight rhythm. You could play moving bass lines. Everyone in the band has the freedom to do all of that, anytime. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a recipe for really cool moments. Yeah. You don't don't always get something cool, but you get tons of really cool moments um, that just kind of happen. And we kind of figured out from playing with each other how to get most out of what we were doing. Like one thing I found with this record was kind of interesting. Like we really just hold up in John Showman I think his mother-in-law has like a cabin in the woods and, you know,
0: I saw the video from that. Yeah, It was was very (laughs) picturesque. It
1: was pretty picturesque. It was like minus 20 below literally. And like blowing snow was a blizzard. We went up, we like had to hike in like half a mile with all our gear down this huge hill to this cabin. And we just hung out there for three days. It was during the pandemic. So like, we just kind of like, you know, did all the pandemic stuff and then it showed up. No one had anywhere else to be. And we just recorded for like three days straight. And um, you kind of figure out things that work. One thing which I found a lot was if you're going to drop out or certain textures like dropping out and other similar textures, if you can coordinate it somehow just through eye contact that two of you do it at the same time, it's a lot more powerful. Like if the the mandolin just stops in an old time jam, like it doesn't, no one really notices. Sure. But if I stop with a bass player, it's like, okay, that's a moment, right? Yeah. That type of thing. You know what I mean? So we just kind of figured those little things out from playing with each other, but...
0: Yeah. So how much of it was building an intuition together around how to organize your windows and how much of it was like, okay, on this take, we're yeah. going to
1: do this. It, it yeah. was all intuition. I think the idea is like, sense. you know, talk about it, which is you, yeah. you could take from this so much arranging right? like ideas and so much arranging right. knowledge, but this is really about improvising on the spot. And, um, you, uh, you just kind of get into eye contact. I think another thing too is I've, I shouldn't even... I don't know if it's true. I've heard that those records are fairly, like, edited. Which is what we do. So, like, mm-hmm. you just do a bunch of takes and you get moments of magic. Yeah. And you also get moments where it just doesn't really work. Right. Like, sometimes... You just... Stuff doesn't work because you have no idea what get. Like, the guitar player might go to play a harmony and I'm gonna... I literally just play the same harmony with him. And maybe it's cool, maybe it's not. So, we just kind of... We got into just editing what we liked from the sections, you know? Yeah, sure. John Schumann engineered it. He did all the editing... And he just listened to, like, all this music and just kind of, in a way, was, like, an arranger through just editing all these Windows ideas. Yeah. And it's not, like, always super Windows. Like, sometimes it's just old time.
2: Right, right, That's
1: one of your options, though. Right. Is to just play old time.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, but so, you know, and the person kind of editing the record has a lot of power to, like, pick the cool moments. Yeah. Piece it together and try to make something kind of, and, you know, because sometimes too much is silly. Uh-huh. But that's also the idea. Like, it's kind of a little psychedelic. Like, it's... This kind of psychedelic, choose your own adventure approach to old time. Those Hartford records are some of my absolute favorite records mm-hmm. in the old time world. Wild um, Hog and the Red Brush is just amazing. I think Ronnie McCurry plays guitar on it and it's just these crazy guitar moving lines. Mike Compton on mandolin, yeah. Bob Carlin, Hartford. I think who plays bass? can might be McCurry on bass as well actually. The, the bands are amazing, and then Good Old Boys, they're just such cool, and Hartford just plays gorgeous fiddle, and everyone else in the rhythm section just does wacky stuff the whole time. Yeah. It's great.
0: Yeah, it seems like, uh, out of all the like, old, somewhat contemporary old time music, yeah, like Hartford's string band music is something that seems to be recognized mm-hmm. by the bluegrass
1: world uh, yeah. in a way that's, that's unique. Yeah, he's kind of like this gateway drug or something. To old time or from old time? Like forever well for me he was a, all, a bit of a gateway into bluegrass too. Okay. Yeah. Like I was already really into bluegrass. Jazz. I was in jazz and I grew up playing all sorts of stuff. I grew up in Montreal, which has this big jazz fest. Mm. So every year we'd go hang out there and it was really inspiring. So what'd you play? I played jazz guitar mostly. I got into mandolin. Maybe it was I bought I got my mandolin the same like week I met my wife. I should know when that was <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> too um, anti- Two occasions, yeah. yeah it's very funny how that worked out. Um so I got my maybe I was like twenty or something when I got a mandolin. I've been playing bluegrass guitar for a while too, and then Mandolin just kinda clicked but and then I got Hartford's record um, you know, Aerial Planes, team yeah. Player. And then that was just like this huge win to in this whole kind of creative bluegrass thing. And then I just kind of followed Hartford down the old time rabbit hole too. Yeah. Um, I wonder if old time people get inspired to check out bluegrass through Hartford. Maybe goes that way too.
0: Maybe, yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah, I I really like. um, If you'll excuse the comparison, uh, like trad artists who are um, non-binary in their approach. (laughs) Yeah. But they like they're like, is it bluegrass? Is it old time? Who can say? They got a foot in both camps. Yes. And uh, there's a little something for everyone, and they're defying those artificial
1: boundaries anyway. I mean that's a fun, funny thing coming as a somebody I'm from Canada, right? So I'm kind of a little outside of the, you know, the deep bluegrass and old time roots. And it's funny, like for an outsider, like when I talk to, you know, my Mahomer, people that don't even know about this, like the fact that there's even a divide between those genres that is so strongly identified when you're in it. Yeah. It's just like hilarious to them. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. to most people who are in it, there's just the same sure. music. And I reckon yeah. now that I'm really deep into it, I see that there's tons of differences. And sure. the difference is really deep, but also, like, uh, I mean, the similarities far outweigh the differences, right?
0: Yeah, it seems like there's sort of, a, like, a journey of being like, oh, it, it all kind of sounds the same, and then, like, oh, there's some really significant differences, and then kind mm-hmm. of coming back
1: around yeah. to be
0: like, you know what, they kind of come from, they have all of this in common.
1: So and, much in common, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a cool place to come from. I think maybe Toronto, in a way, just because the scene isn't there's so much crossover between the old time bluegrass musicians. Yeah, it might just be a gift from the scene not being big enough to really. I think that is like, a super gift. Super separated or a, something. A small scene, because
0: and then you have to learn how to play with each other. Right. Yeah.
1: You kind of have to. It's like, I don't know. It's like when you're in a band in high school and you don't really curate. Right? You just make a band with your friends. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they suck at drums. Like they're the drummer. Yeah. You gotta make it work. <laughs>
0: I've, I've been uh, that bassist You've been the drummer school, In high school player. Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or that guitarist Or whatever Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, It was available Right
1: That's kind of how it goes So <laughs> Yeah I think that's kind of the Hartford's a great gateway And I mean in our band The Ramblers Like Frank plays both banjos So yeah. um, You know That's like Trying to kind of Bridge the divides A little bit too And yeah. You know Especially like Yeah I think there's some freedom In how you play the melodies And then you can kind of take a bit of that bluegrass approach and stick it in the old time thing and yeah. you know. well I love that Windows
0: idea because it feels like it's and like you were saying, an inversion yeah. of uh, you know line and melody being spot spotless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool. And I, I think some of my favorite music is that's what people you know, playing melodies, holding it down, yeah. they're sort of the bass line and it's like Celtic music.
1: Yeah. It's kind it's kind yeah. of more similar to like the Celtic yeah. approach where like exactly like and there's so much rhythmic responsibility on the fiddle player. The fiddle player just has to play amazing rhythm cuz that's the one person who's kind of on that duty the whole time. But fiddle it's exactly like the Celtic thing where you know the guitar player could be like improvising all these amazing chord walk-ups and all this stuff and the piano player like but the fiddle player is like the through line. Yeah. Um yeah, Hartford kind of, I don't know. I think Hartford said he got it from some big band arranging ideas, maybe. Oh, interesting. This is all, like, you know, second, third. Like, people should go read. There's, sure. There's some liner notes at Hartford for one of these records that you can really read what he talks about. But I think there's some big band influence. Not that they improvise it, but there was, like, in a big band, the concept of, like, you know, there's a certain feel for this, and then eight bars later comes the bridge, and it's a drastically different feel. And then, like, the whole band drops out, and it's just, like, one instrument soloing rhythm section yeah. and then the whole horn section like he kind of thought a lot about that and it was like arranging in real time which is cool and uh, it's actually just the most fun approach because like yeah. it definitely falls flat sometimes you yeah. gotta have a sense of humor about it
0: yeah I think that's important you know cool. what else do you want to play
1: let's do um, you're in standard right
0: yeah so I could do anything but
1: A anything but A yeah oh A Z okay so I just, just have to tune
0: up for A oh
1: you tune up okay yeah Let's do, let me see. Do you play, what about like C-Tunes? Yeah. I want
0: to do
1: Old Melinda. Oh, yeah, i played Old Melinda.
0: Do you play that one? We don't have it. it. It's been a minute. Will you
1: remember how you guys? Yeah, we'll kind of try it together maybe. I would just relearn.
0: I'm enjoying uh, negotiating this formless jam. Oh, yeah. yeah. this is <laughs> good. great. Good.
1: <laughs> windows abound.
0: Yeah.
1: Sweet. Yeah, it's a fun tune, huh?
0: Well, let me get my interview brain back on. Okay. Um, it's
1: a different land. It is, huh? Yeah, it must be a different land.
0: <laughs> I'm such a big Slocan fan. Nice. What a special band. Oh, it's so good. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm obsessed. Really? Good. <laughs> yeah, how, how long have... Uh,
1: have you all been together it's been a while i think we've it's funny i actually i don't know what came over me i was up at like 2 a.m having a sleepless night a while ago and i decided to look through my email typing the word slow can rambler and seeing how far back i found it yeah because someone asked me i think it 2010 oh wow maybe in 20, 2010 and then we got a weekly gig and first festivals like we were just a bar band right like we just played at a really crappy bar like yeah. we tell the story on stage what was the bar it's called the cloak and dagger okay. it's a very crappy irish no i shouldn't say that it's an awesome irish pub in toronto but right. um it's actually kind of a cool place what well, sounds like
0: that's part of its appeal
1: it's part of the appeal it's, it's not
0: a bougie bar
1: it's not a bougie bar they actually good beers on tap but you know nothing was terribly bougie about it it wasn't like a listening place you we just sure played to figure out and I mean, I had just got a mandolin, like, I, yeah. I literally did not know how to play the instrument. Like, it was pretty fresh. Um, I think Frank had just gotten into bluegrass banjo, probably. He was playing clawhammer. That's right, yeah. And uh, Daryl was getting into You know, we were just kind of all getting into this. Um, yeah, so you were doing, like, rehearsal performances. 100%, yeah. We yeah. rehearse like, Practices once in our garages. Yeah, exactly. Like we would just jam on stage and see what happened. And yeah. started to get gigs. Like... Something happened around that era, I think, where, like, people decided that they wanted a bluegrass band at their wedding. That became a thing. So we started to get, like, wedding gigs and, like, you know, those kind of events and stuff. Uh, maybe maybe, uh, maybe it had always been a thing, but I just noticed it because we were doing it.
0: I wonder if it had something to do with, like, Mumford and sons or
1: something. I, I bet it did. I feel yeah. like there was, like, the oh brother where out Bump, like, right. kind of, I don't say, maybe a generation before me. For like a decade or so before I was really playing professionally yeah, then there was like the Mumford bump and then I don't know where we're at now is there another <laughs> bump?
0: Well Oscar Isaac is playing uh, Cedars banjo on, on stage right now
1: Is some, he? on some production so maybe there'll be a bump Wow, yeah. anybody that handsome plays the banjo, it's yeah. like, you know, oh, okay. that's gotta gotta a bump right there. <laughs> yeah. That's a bump right there. I mean, I think that maybe there was like an inside Lewin Davis bump or something. Oh, of course, yeah, like, I forgot. Like, you know, the Coen yeah. brothers seem to just keep bringing folk music. There might have been. Yeah. I mean, that soundtrack is really amazing. Yeah. I remember I got and then my wife bought that on record. Bump was all over that. But yeah, so there was like a thing. We got started getting those kind of gigs and yeah. just like pub gigs. Toronto at that time actually had a pretty good like Bar bluegrass weekly scene. Like, believe it or not, there was six bluegrass weeklies in Toronto at that point. That's amazing. Like, that's so much. It was so much. Like Mondays, I can think of Mondays at the local. Tuesdays at the Cloak for us. Wednesdays was a band called the Foggy Hogtown Boys, which mm-hmm. was most of the guys from Lonesome Ace. So it was John Showman, Chris Cool, and this great mandolin player, Andrew Collins. Mm-hmm great banjo player Chris Quinn anyways so that was Wednesdays and then it just kept going there was these bluegrass brunch cakes. there was tons of live bluegrass in Toronto hmm. I don't think it's bounced back post-COVID hopefully it will yeah. but that, you know whatever that's a, its own challenge but I don't know how big Toronto is it's a big city it's about 3 million people in the city okay. the greater place. area is like maybe double like it's quite a big city yeah, yeah. so um, and just growing all the time. Still six weekly bluegrass jams. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, gigs, no jams is a weird thing. Okay, yeah. Those are all gigs. Like the jams are always in people's houses. I've tried to set up jams. Now there's kind of a pseudo jam that um, some people are kind of... Scott Prouty? Oh, yeah, that? sure. Yeah, him and Anne. Anyway, uh, a bunch of people, some old-time people kind of doing kind of a jam in Toronto, but the jams never seem to like keep going for too long, but the bluegrass weeklies seemed to be a thing for whatever reason. I'm jealous. It was awesome, yeah, yeah I great. hope it comes back. I mean, so we would just had a weekly and then played around a lot, yeah. and, uh, and then we kind of started to get into writing our own stuff and actually, like, booking rehearsals. I feel like bluegrass musicians are just so hard to control into rehearsing or something. Yeah. It's part of the culture or something. <laughs> That's rehearsing in the studio. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so we started to rehearse and start touring in the States in 2014 which I think then was, actually his first one was in Colorado, not far from here, Pagosa Springs. Oh, yeah. Bluegrass Festival. Yeah. Such yeah. a nice festival. I'd so, love to go to that. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, they should book you guys. That's a good one. Caught, in Pagosa Springs. <laughs> Are you listening? Make us your token old-time man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They're a cool festival. So we did that in 2014, and then, since then we've kind of been, like, you know, touring a lot and recording and all that type of thing. Yeah. That was that. Was that. Right now, I'm still doing it, you know. Yeah, you
0: brought down the house at the Wild Horse Saloon.
1: That was fun. They were into it. Absolutely. Yeah, it went well. Yeah, so, yeah, just kind of stuck at it, right? And then even now with Frank living in Nashville, we're all kind of a little bit apart. It hasn't been too hard to just meet up and get together and keep doing it, so, yeah. Well, what's next? What should we play? Let's see if I'll force you to go to A. Okay. Maybe not. We can do, um, oh, do you play Wild Horses at Stony Sure, Point? yeah, yeah. That's kind of in C, right? It is in C. I've heard banjo players play in different keys. But but yeah, I think I've played it in, like, G before. Do you play it in, oh, no, no, let's do G. Yeah? Out of that weird F tuning. I think that's the move, is it? Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't know. I do use you do? the weird F tuning? I don't know. That's yeah. for the
0: best. <laughs> I just use, like, standard most yeah, of the time. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. How about you just, I'm enjoying this, like, like not rehearsing just like going okay. into the tune. Let's see if we can do that again unless I totally watch it
1: So just three part. Did you do Kay. a three part? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's like the G part, the E minor part, and then the like 1-5 toggle kind of thing that's the yeah, B that's a uh, yeah, okay, and then Oh yeah, yeah, yeah easy. Cool. I'll uh,
0: yeah I'll see how much I can pick up all right okay, just go for it
1: Sweet. Cool. Great. <laughs> nice. We can play any of these again too if you want. I'm happy to do second takes of anything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll. let you know. I mean. Um, I'm not trying sure to cut a record. I'm just trying to like have a. Yeah. You know, human
1: moment. Have a little thing.
0: Yeah. But if I like do anything that's like, too horrendous, then. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm also willing if you're like, oh, let's do that again. I don't know. What do you think? Are
1: those? Should we do any of those? They all felt pretty fun. I mean, it's loose. And... Yeah. Let's keep it loose. Yeah. Great. Sweet. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, okay. You mentioned earlier being a Canadian and equating that with being an outsider.
1: Yeah, I guess a little bit.
0: Yeah. Speak on that. What do you mean?
1: That's a good. That's so deep. Wow.
0: Seems yeah. like there's all these like concentric rings of like who's at the most inside. Right. Sometimes. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I suppose so. Maybe. Maybe. We, when you're, it's probably hard to be aware of when you're actually on the inside or or not or whatever, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I, cause I, I didn't grow up with bluegrass. Yeah. So in that way I feel like, you know, I'm always learning about it, but it's not like my like family's culture or something. It's something that I love so much, Yeah. but my parents didn't play bluegrass or whatever. You know, I think it's, this is just now occurring to me.
0: I think it's, like, a little weird sometimes that people prioritize, like, childhood learning or, like, familial access mm-hmm. uh, over, I learned this from my good friend. Yeah. Like, one of them is more, like, valid than the other. Yeah, it's true. more right? traditional. Yeah. I mean, like, why is that more traditional, any more traditional than you learning tunes from Frank? No, it's you true. you learning tunes from
1: just show It's, it's true. It's a good, it's a good point. I guess it's just... No, there's, there's nothing to it, really. I think if you have to... You know, I actually really dislike the word authentic. Yeah. I hate that word. <laughs> People always... They're just like, well, there's this sense of, like, this is, like, authentic bluegrass or authentic old-time or authentic anything. I think when you peel back those layers, though, first of all, you usually find that's not the case. Right. But also, it's more to the point that, that there is no such thing as that. Like, there is no one authentic way to do anything. I mean... So many of my, I mean, if you think about bluegrass, like, a lot of my favorite bluegrass musicians grew up playing it and are from the regions of the States where it's, they're kind of, where the culture comes from. But then the other half of my favorite musicians are just not from that at all. Yeah. They're just some people who've learned it as adults or gotten into right. it at different parts of their life or, or from who knows where, and then have gotten into it. You know, I think with bluegrass is interesting because it is, it's, it's like, it's both regional and universal like I came to it as someone who was not from the regions where it's from so for me it's just like this kind of thing that exists but also I think because of that I'm very aware that it is a regional music and I still want to kind of like respect that in some way sure like it feels weird to just not whatever acknowledge that Um, and there's a certain way that people seem to kind of play from that region a little bit right Uh, historically
0: yeah I remember the first time I played old time in North Carolina with North Carolinians I was like uh, I'm like, right. I'm, I am struggling to keep up a little bit. Yeah. And, or not just with the tempo, but with the feel,
1: with yeah. the feel. Yeah. It's such a feel. That's the thing with these, these genres that it's all feel. Cause like the notes on the page don't tell you very much about how the music sounds. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. such a feel thing. And then when you kind of come down to those regions, like the people do play with a certain, just a certain feel. And it's really cool. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the thing that I I'm a, I'm a huge gypsy jazz fan, like Django Reinhardt, maybe like my favorite musician. Yeah. And his journey I think is really interesting and really kind of like illustrative of this stuff. So from everyone else's perspective, Django Reinhardt, like invented this new thing. It's like this right. European, you know, Roma gypsy, stinty, those are like the ethnic groups that came from and there are different people and they're living in Europe and they're playing their own style of jazz. And it has tons of influence from where they're from and the traditional music's from their culture, all that stuff. And it's super different. For me, in his, what I've heard about himself, he just was a musician from that part of the world or from that community. But he just wanted to sound like Louis Armstrong. He was just trying to sound exactly like, yeah. like black American New Orleans jazz musicians, yeah. where jazz was from. Huh. And then that's what his goal was. And then it just went through this filter of him and it comes out in this beautiful, deep, super different thing. Yeah. And it's like, uh, maybe he, maybe in his mind, he did sound like Leo Armstrong. I don't know. Or right. maybe he was always struggling to get closer and he couldn't get there. Yeah. I have no idea. I really don't know who he's That saw. sounds
0: very authentic to me. Trying to emulate someone else and maybe failing yeah. and then creating something
1: new. That's kind of That's how it all aggressive. goes, isn't it? Yeah. Because like, I think there's something to be a, something you said for that emulation process. Maybe even imitation where if you go deep enough into really trying to get into one specific thing, it takes you really far artistically. Like, most of the players that I love, I think, spent some time in the trenches just trying to be, in a way, someone else. Yeah. But doing it enough that they get close, but then, for better or for worse, your own self gets in the way. Yeah. And then you just get into this other direction where it becomes your own thing.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, And that might not be where you... Like, I don't think anyone... You can't really steer the ship too much. You're just okay. going to have to go with it because it, it is going to end up sounding like how you process it. It's going to sound like your mm-hmm. own thing and hopefully that's a good thing. But you know what I mean? That's just like, that's just Absolutely. the process. But... I've had a, a I, I try to
0: every year do the banjo competition at cliptop Okay. Uh, because I think that it's like a good a good experience for me to endeavor to play what I think people want to hear. Interesting. And then my rule for myself is if I make the finals, uh, then I'm just going to do whatever I want. (laughs) You know?
1: Do you think, are you a good judge of knowing what other people want to hear?
0: Apparently not. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, in in general, it's kind of, it's extremely, maybe it's impossible, but I would have In that context, because it is a competition. They might have, like, a rubric of things you have to do. Well, yeah,
0: and and the funny thing is one of the, uh, one of, a fifth of the score is
1: old time. Old time. Just old time. There's, like, intonation.
0: Right. You know, and, like, rhythm. And then there's just, like, old time. Is it old time? Is it old time? Yeah. Huh. That's, like, part of the score. Right. That's an interesting.
1: Yeah. That's so interesting, because it's, like, yeah. Well, you just have to speak to the judges, I guess, to get a sense of what that means. Yeah. But is it obvious what it means, though? Maybe it is obvious. Like, when you hear it? I don't think so. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Bluegrass is funny, because it's like, there's so many things like this in life, where it's kind of hard to quantify, it, but you know it when you hear it. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I feel like bluegrass, for me, it's like, well, it's obvious when I hear it what it is and what it isn't.
0: Yeah.
1: And sometimes it's close, but it's just not it. But that's such a subjective thing. I love it. Just old-timiness. Yeah. What does that even mean?
0: Yeah, because, like, when I think about, like, all the old-time folks that I like the most, that are most influential to me, they're just like a, it's not like they're doing everything that everyone else is doing. Yeah. You know, they're, or maybe they're trying and failing and creating something. Maybe that's it.
1: That's kind of every, so many great musicians have that similar story. Like, where you go out to try to just be someone else, and you just can't get your own self out of your own. Yeah. And eventually it just comes in <laughs> this other thing, right? And that's yeah. kind of, that's what I hope to try to do musically a little bit, too. Like, you know, copy my mentors and people that I've loved.
0: Yeah, who's a, a mandolinist that you've uh, endeavored to emulate you really failed to emulate?
1: Yeah, I, yourself out d- of the way you know, know David Grisland is really one of my favorites. Sure. His sound, like his tone, like, I just think his right hand, like his sound is amazing. I love... I could hear one note and I know it's him and he's so bouncy. Like, there's just this rhythmic, like, mm. bounce in the way he plays that I really love and um and just his sound, his tremolo. Like, it's just gorgeous. He's so great. And I think I've, over the years, tried to, like, grab a bunch of that and I'm sure it comes out differently. Hopefully. Hopefully it does come out differently. You know, that's another thing. Like, some musicians really do want to sound like a carbon copy of someone else yeah. and some get pretty close. Yeah. Like, in Bluegrass, the classic thing is, like, the Tony Rice guitar player. Sure. And some sure. of them are insanely close
0: yeah it's crazy it's just a cool thing to be able to you know they can do it yeah you can do it do
1: it but you know I think for me that's not my goal my goal is definitely like you know grab stuff from people and then just come out in my own way yeah try to be unique just by being yeah just by being yourself it's the corniest thing I've ever said be yourself kids but (laughs) it's kind of true like you just try to do your own thing with something and it comes out in your own way well
0: yeah I think I was like fed this idea in Disney movies or whatever like it's important to be yourself Know, yeah, like over and over and over again. And you know, the subtext that I didn't realize till later is as long as yourself is X, Y, or Z, you know. But I like this idea of like trying to be yourself, but also expand what you consider to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I feel like I never actually heard that. It's like, yeah. and I feel like that's the process that we're we're talking about. It's like I want to see what the edges of my selfhood are, yeah, and not just say, Oh, I'm not going to try to. Right, expand or learn or change, because because I want to be authentic. Yeah, you know, it's like what if
1: what if the authentic thing is to change? It normally is. I mean, that is yeah. the, everything. It's always and also, I mean, yeah, the imitation thing's interesting. Like that wasn't something I was taught, really. I think honestly, it's funny. It's kind of if someone if okay, I think age matters. If someone came to me, they were a really good musician yeah. and they were on the youngish side, and they had all the time. I think that there's something to be said for people who go through that trench of a couple of years of just trying to sound like someone else. Yeah. And then like you spend a couple of years trying to be blah, 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 you know, whatever. Earl yeah. else grudge or like anyone. And then you then have a bunch of years after that of checking, of doing that with several other people. And then there's like the formative years where it all kind of comes together and a lot of yourself gets pushed into it.
2: Yeah.
1: And it comes out as your own unique thing. I think when I was younger I, I was like very like deep down I thought like improvisation was super important and having your own thing was really important. Yeah. And I never actually really was taught to or had the idea that I should emulate as much. Hmm. I think almost when I got older I realized that that was an important process. Like That's right. I, you know I remember I, I went to a Picasso exhibit and, and so much of what I saw was it was cool. It was like his early drawings yeah. and his like uh, etudes his sketches etudes. I uh, like Picasso didn't become Picasso by trying to Paint cubist, right, right. right. Like he spent a long time like trying to like very real, like doing realism. Yeah. Like all these super realistic just yeah, stuff you yeah. learn in art academy. I almost feel like maybe I kind of had like I wasn't really taught that method in a way. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that too. Like you need both. Like yeah. that training allowed Picasso to become who he was. Yeah, I think yeah. if you just had teachers who said, yeah, just be yourself, man. Like just try to whatever. Like he might not have gone to that level of like. Depth yeah. and skill, right? Yeah, you kind of have to go down that trench, but then you don't want get stuck there. You have to just figure your own thing out at, at some point.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes people can be tempted to be like, to, to to want like the self to have this kind of integrity that's like untouched by culture because it's because yes. it can't exist in, in you know like there's no way to assimilate. Exactly, you're too individual. It's like a very
1: American, I don't know how, to what extent it's uh, Canadian. I think um, I had that in my, I think it's a yeah. bit of a jazz thing, because I mean, okay, yeah. well, jazz is very American, I mean, the beauty of jazz is it is so, I mean, it's an ensemble, yeah. but there is really the primacy, the, the, yeah. the star of jazz is the improviser,
0: Yeah. who's
1: yeah. playing something that, here's the funny thing, though, the thing that they're doing is, uh, to the audience or to the critic, I believe, like, supposed to be something that's never been played before, and it's right, totally unique, right. but when you hear interviews, like, I remember bring an interview with Miles Davis, and this is actually really fascinating. So he had this famous quintet where it was like all these amazing improvisers, Miles Davis and uh, was Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock, like the greatest improvisers in the world. And a critic who just assumed that every night they improvised all their solas. it was totally different. It went to his show and saw them playing a weekly residency and noticed that they were playing similar things in their solos every night. And it just, he didn't understand it. The interview was like, these guys are like improvisers. Yeah. What's and he asked Miles Davis and Miles Davis being the very like ha, insightful direct thinker, which is like we play what works. Like we yeah. figure out the shit that works, we play what works. Yeah. Like obviously we're improvising, but also obviously like you have things that you know work in certain set. Like why would we yeah. not do that? Like he was so confounded by the interviewer's question. Like, <laughs> I love like what do you think I we're doing, doing up here? But I guess that's yeah. the illusion that like, you're kind of selling. Yeah. You're selling this illusion of like everything is different all the time. <laughs> but in reality there's so much you know material that you've worked on like it's I love I find the tension of that that's very so interesting. great
0: that's a really lovely story
1: yeah <laughs> I think I think actually musically maybe that's something I thought about a lot i yeah. struggle with like the the sense that you're saying like you just want to play whatever you're playing and it's it's not even touched or it's not even like tainted by like culture and where yeah. you're from it's just right. pure music and then on the other side like trying to be super deep into a tradition yeah and like emulate it and copy it and explore it and just try to be it yeah i think those both exist at the same time though i don't think they're mutually exclusive at all
0: i uh i heard this really interesting story and i'm going to keep it confidential i'm not well, i'm not going to say the name okay. or even the instrument that this person plays but they're a bluegrass musician okay and they made this uh they did this overdubbed part during the pandemic for one of my friends yeah and uh, yeah. And my friend was telling me, and this, this bluegrass, bluegrass musician is one of the best players. Okay. In terms of agency, uh, big deal. A big deal person.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's the closest <laughs> I get to say. I'll okay. say off record who it is. Yeah. Uh,
0: and uh, <laughs> and um, my friend was saying, yeah. So they were like, what? They said that what they did was. They took a million takes of solos for this video. And then they stitched something together. Right. Like, uh, like the audio together to make a good solo. And then they learned that solo oh, wow. so that they could essentially... Lip sync it onto their instruments, right? So that it would look authentic. That's amazing. And I was like, "That person did that? That's supposed to be like the best player in the world, <laughs> really?" Yeah, and uh, That's so funny. Yeah, it was so. Um, yeah, it was so per- permission giving to me to like yeah. drop the act, to to drop the veil, um, and uh, to be a little more emboldened. <laughs> You know, That's really fascinating. And when, when I, whenever I take a solo or whenever I do a take of something and, uh, start to compare myself, you know, to this person or that person it's like, well, if this person spent hours yeah. <laughs> doing this, yeah. uh, and didn't actually just like flippantly do yeah. a single take, then uh, maybe, you know, there's some hope for me. <laughs> yeah, that, I know.
1: Every once in a while you hear something like that. That's really, yeah. I mean, I remember learned that Glenn Gould did the same thing with his Bach pieces he edited like the hell out of them and I'm like I'm like so in awe of Glenn Gould like I can't even listen to him sometimes like it freaks me out like it's too good like I don't understand it it's so brilliant like my anyway I can't speak of him glowingly enough the fact that but the things when you're at that level your standards are at that level right yeah so like I'm sure for him it's like interpretation and like the weight of each note being played has to be like Articulated in whatever way he wants. Whether it's even or whether it's more dynamic. But I think that's it. Like at that certain level, you probably just have those standards. But I also am kind of a fan of just putting it out there. Yeah. And like
0: you know, I'm trying to do that today. Yeah. We're just this
1: yeah. is we're really endeavoring to just put it out there. Yeah, I don't know. That that's there's all those are all the tensions at the heart of being an artist, I think. Yeah. That's like that, they're all coming to the similar kind of similar sides of it like the, you're, who you are as yourself like is it who you are just a pure you born into this universe and you just exist or are you like a total product of like the community culture education etc yeah and like, you know what I mean and yeah. I think that's yeah that's yeah that's the tension of everything yeah. I think it probably transcends art just yeah. everything in general but it's yeah it's interesting to think about
0: well, I think we covered it.
1: Yeah. That's it. We figured it out, I think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. What a productive interview. This is pretty good. <laughs> there we let's go. Play, let's play a tune and then talk about where people are really going to buy your stuff Funny. and see you live and all that.
1: Okay, sweet.
0: Stay up to date. Yeah, but what, what do you want to play first? Yeah. Is it time to go up to Let's go to A. Today?
1: Oh, we can, did you play Happy Hollow? Oh, yeah. All right. All right. All right.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: that's a good tempo. What's the drum <laughs> up? up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Branching out. <laughs> yeah, it feels good.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the conundrum of uh, having people on the show. It's like by the time the show's almost over, it's like, oh, we're starting to like yeah, yeah, figure yeah, out yeah. how to play with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got a yeah.
1: couple left, though. And that's right. So. Yeah.
0: Well, where do people go to follow
1: you and all the things you're up to? Yeah, all the things I'm up to. They can find me. Most of what I do is with the Slow cam Ramblers, so we got all of our obvious Rambler stuff online. That's like the act I tour with and and keep busy with and then um, yeah check out for my own personal stuff my own website I think it's adriangross.ca and I throw out little musical things on Instagram from time to time so you can follow me there yeah. and uh, yeah, all those good things yeah
0: okay thanks for doing this yeah thanks for having me especially at the the drags of the drag of Bluegrass Meltdown we're all exhausted. this
1: is it this is this, is this funny th- the post festival where you're kind of bagged but yeah. you're everyone's like really warmed up yeah, <laughs> you know, like I find like yeah, sometimes absolutely. I play my best and I'm kind of like jet lagged and like blue eyed yeah. and it's like oh the show went well I feel like shit. Yeah. But the shit went well.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's you know it's sort of been a like a messy flow state which yeah.
1: is really pleasant. Exactly
0: yeah exactly yeah. oh what do you want to play for the final team? Let's do.
1: we'll do tipping back the corn.
0: Tipping back the corn. Oh
1: yeah. Great. Modern, modern classic, uh, right? Yeah. From uh, Jordan Winkoff. Jordan Winkoff. His name. Yeah, that's it. I learned it from Brad Colonna. Oh yeah, I thought it was a. He Brad loves that tune. too. He loves it. I <laughs> yeah. think he's, like proselytized it to like. Yeah. Everyone. I feel like every time I see it, he's playing that tune. Yeah, it's the one tune you should always play.
0: Yeah. I uh, he's, uh <laughs> when I'm saying like, tipping back the
1: chord tipping back the <laughs> 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 The world needs more <laughs> <laughs> vocalized old time melodies. Maybe John Hartford's <laughs> the only <laughs> guy I've ever heard do that. That's yeah. Not he might be the <laughs> <alive>. line. He's alive. <laughs> a little, little brisker. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Visit SlowcanRamblers.com to buy their albums and find out where they're playing next, and visit AdrianGross.ca to hear more of his music and get in contact with him. And make sure to follow Slocan and Adrian on Instagram. All that is linked in the show notes for this episode. Support this podcast at Patreon.com/GetUpInTheCool. That's also linked in the show notes, along with links to my banjo lessons, my old-time trio Tall Poppy String Band, my other podcast Think Outside the Box Set, and Get Up in the Cool Birch. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.